0: Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Everybody talking about the vaccination rollout program, of course, and and not just here in Ontario, not just here in Canada, but we're talking globally as well. And there seem to be... Uh, a feeling, especially uh, the, the Biden administration being sworn in uh, in January, that there was going to be much more of a global approach to this. And uh, the information we're starting to get out of Washington right now is they tried to do that, uh, but there have been some roadblocks in actually trying to share some of the vaccines that are being t- uh, produced in the United States. Uh, but the program itself, uh, some bumps, but uh, progressing quite well. Uh, Sagar Bagani reports that US President Joe Biden is mixing optimism over Americans' uh, vaccination pace with a warning about the pandemic's ongoing dangers? In a dozen days, the president says every American adult will be eligible for a vaccine. No more confusing rules. No more confusing restrictions. He says the nation's on track to meet his goal of 200 million shots administered by month's end. Even moving at the record speed we're moving at, we're not even halfway through vaccinating over 300 million Americans. And as cases rise nationwide... We're still in a life and death race. Both the president and Dr. Anthony Fauci are warning of wrong steps. We're really on the brink of a surge. Sagar Magani, Washington. So what about the vaccination program, and what about the, the desire, as we've heard from some of the politicians, uh, to, to try to share that with some of the countries that maybe can't afford it and uh, that are waiting, uh, because as we've talked about so many different times before, there's always going to be the concern, as long as this virus is out here, whether it's halfway around the world or not, that it could still uh, have some impact on what's happening here. Joining us to talk about this is uh, Dr. Joel Letchkin, who is a professor emeritus with the School of Health Policy Management and Faculty of Health at York University. He's also former consultant of the federal government and the world health organization uh professor always a pleasure thank you so much for the time today
1: thanks bill pleasure. I, I, great to I read an interesting show.
0: great to have you back here uh interesting piece in vanity fair that talks about the vaccination rollout program not just within the borders of the united states uh but also the perspective here of global and and uh, i gave it maybe the best way to encapsulate this is is i uh, i get the sense that the the Biden administration wants to have a, 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 a place at the table here. They want to be a, a global figure here and a, a supplier here. But uh, there's some contractual problems and, well, some political things that seem to be standing in the way.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, the um, contracts that the U.S. government signed under Trump with the drug companies basically absolve the companies of any liability, for any reason related to the vaccine. Um, The U.S. government has taken on all the liability. Um, And the contracts that they signed with the, the companies prohibit the U.S. government from selling or donating vaccine to other places because the companies are worried that although they're absolved from liability in the United States, they could be sued in other countries if their vaccines um, cause problems in those other countries. So they wanted this clause in the contracts with the U.S. government and the U.S. government agreed to it. And um, my interpretation is the U.S. government agreed to it under Trump because Trump, frankly, didn't care what happened in any other country in the world. Um, And if they weren't gonna be able to send vaccines to those countries, that was just fine with him and the people that um, served under him. So now we've got the situation where, as your news story said, within a couple of weeks, everybody in the U S will be able to get a vaccine. The U S is going to have hundreds of millions of doses, um, extra sitting around. And the situation looks like they won't be able to, um, to send them to other places. Or if they do, They'll have to use some kind of a legal fiction, which is why the U.S. government is not donating vaccines to Canada. They're not selling vaccines to Canada. They're loaning them.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And that's an important distinction, isn't it, Professor, that, uh, you know, th- as a matter of fact, a- apparently we're getting another shipment this week uh, from the United States, but we have to pay them back as we you know, get our shipments from wherever we're going to get them from. Uh, and I believe it's the AstraZeneca vaccine that we're getting from the United States. Uh, we're going to have to send a bunch of that stuff down there. Uh, but your point's well taken. By the time we do that and pay that back, uh, those sh- vaccines that we're sending to the United States may well just sit on a shelf this someplace down there because they're not going to be needed.
1: That's right. And... Um, I think I've said this before on your show, that if, and you said it also, if the people in the rest of the world aren't vaccinated, we're already seeing three different variants circulating in Canada, the one from the UK, the one from South Africa, the one from Brazil, and uh, there are probably more that are just waiting to be discovered. The virus is pretty smart. Um, And those variants are sooner or later going to make it back to Canada if they're allowed to proliferate. Um, And that's going to mean more problems. We're in a third wave. We'll get to the fourth wave, the fifth wave, who knows how many waves. Um, So we really need to be concerned not just about what happens here for obvious reasons, but also what happens in other places. And this just highlights the um, the problems with the approaches that were taken, not to sharing the um, the identity of the virus. That was quickly the the genome of the virus was quickly identified and shared. But with sharing um, the the developing a worldwide vaccination strategy, so that we aren't in this situation now, where some countries are getting to be, half the people are being vaccinated, and in other countries, nobody has been vaccinated, or maybe a few hundred have been.
0: But I guess to underscore the concern you're raising again uh, about how this can spread, is what's going on in the united states even right now i mean their vaccination program seems to be going on quite well uh and as president biden said you know they, they're probably going to meet if not exceed their expectation to get 200 million people vaccinated uh in the first hundred days but the new number the cases of, of, of new cases and the number of new cases is spiraling under control there too notwithstanding the fact that the vaccination program is out there so uh you know if this is a race between the, the variants and the vaccine uh, right now the variants seem to be winning
1: yeah, I'm betting on the variants, actually. Unfortunately, um, and I think that, well, we see this in um, in Chile. Chile is, I think, number two in the percentage of population that's been vaccinated after Israel. Um, and whereas Israel is opening up, but opening up slowly, Chile opened up very quickly. And they're seeing another spike in the number of cases. So we've got to be concerned um, that public that it's not just vaccines, it's public health measures that are going to be needed for months more, probably longer. Um, because we still have to get to that stage where enough people have been vaccinated. And only then will we be able to start to reopen, reopening too soon as is pl- taking place In some parts of the US, just means more cases of COVID.
0: Is, is there any way around the, the, the legalities here? Uh, because I know in the piece from Vanity Fair that I was reading, Professor, I mean, they did talk to, I think it was a representative from Moderna, uh, that said, look, at, I mean, that was that administration, this is new, there's a different attitude here, and we want to try to be a global player. And they basically said, no, don't even want to talk about it, sorry. I, I think the phrase they use was, I don't want to be, you know, legally beholden to Ethiopia if they don't like the way the vaccine rolls out. So there, there doesn't seem to be any flexibility here.
1: Well, I... I'm a doctor, not a lawyer, Um, but that's the terminology. I mean, the lack of flexibility, I think, is reflected in the terminology uh, that's being used. So um, Canada is being loaned the vaccines um, by the U.S., and I think that that reflects the ongoing legal problems with um, the U.S. giving excess vaccine in any other way to any country?
0: The concern here, and, and we're delving into the to politics here, but uh, we'd be naive to think it doesn't have a, a place here in this discussion. The politics seems to have a place in every discussion when it comes to this sort of thing. Uh, is if the United States is not able to do what President Biden has talked about and be a global player and maybe be able to supply some of this stuff, uh, as we saw during the Trump administration, uh, Russia and China are more than willing to fill that void. Uh, and say, "Hey, we're the good guys. We're going to give you the vaccine," uh, and and that's going to cause some political problems, obviously between Canada or the U.S. relations with a number of other countries, and of course the concern that that the Russians and the Chinese could be gaining a foothold here. It's it's not really what the United States wants to see happen, is it?
1: No, um, certainly not. Especially, I think, um, with China, um, the U.S. is quite concerned about its ongoing relationships with China. China is um, is building up not just its eco- its economy but also its military force, um, and it's forging alliances with countries around the world. And the U.S. certainly doesn't want to be in a position where it's being seen as number two, or number three, behind China and Russia. Um, and those countries are quite willing, I believe, to take advantage of the situation by giving vaccines to um, countries that need them, which is not in itself a bad thing. Um, the bad thing is that the U.S. isn't also doing it.
0: And this is the concern, I know, that, and they're still negotiating, by the way. It's, I know the, the drug companies uh, have, have pretty much said no, the answer is absolutely no, but I mean, there's, I guess hope springs eternal and they're going to try to find some way around this. Uh, because this seemed to be part of president biden's long-term plan wasn't it doctor to make sure that that the united states has that role where those countries can look to this and say we're going to supply this and because that's what's happened generations in the past you know with, with other uh pandemics but certainly with other health care crises as well uh that we're doing that already as a matter of fact i, I don't know how many people are aware of the fact that you, canada does make vaccines here we export those to, to third world countries in africa and other places uh where places things like diphtheria and other things are, are still concerns and rampant in some locales, etc. So it's not as if it's not happening right now, but it's certainly not happening to the degree that they'd like to see it happen.
1: That's true. Um, And you know, if the U.S., if the contracts with the U.S. government and the drug companies um, prohibit the U.S. from donating or selling vaccines to other places around the world, there still are things that the U.S. can do. So for instance, there's the um, the, what's called the trips the WTO waiver um, this is um, a, this is an initiative taken by um, a number of third world countries primarily India and South Africa that are pushing for um, parts of the, um, the WTO um, treaty to be waived um, so that other places around the world, other manufacturing facilities can start making um, start making treatments and vaccines for COVID. Um, and in fact, one of those places is um, in Niagara, the Niagara region, a company called BioLice. Um, the U.S., Canada, the European Union, a few other countries are all opposed to this waiver, which means um, essentially that the Manufacturing facilities that are located in various other countries—Brazil, um, India, and a few other, and some others—are um, not able to start making the vaccines that are still under patent. If the U.S. wants to be able to do something and it can't sell or donate vaccine, it can certainly um, remove its opposition to this waiver to allow factories and other places to start producing the vaccine in mass quantities.
0: How far are we anywhere near the situation uh, where we were talking with the the MIG guys here, as you mentioned, the Moderna's and the the Pfizer's and some people of this nature. Uh, But are we going to get to the stage at some point, doctor, where where there are going to be alternatives, knockoffs uh, for some of these medications, in other words, less expensive ones uh, that that might change the dynamic here?
1: Well, I'm not sure what is being developed in other places besides what's already be, what's already available. But the um, large drug companies do not see um, do not envision um, allowing other places to start making their vaccines. In fact, a number of, of these companies have talked about once the pandemic and they is over and they're going to define when they think the pandemic is over. once that we reach that stage, then they're going to start raising the prices of their va- of their vaccines um, because we're going to continue probably to need boosters. So these companies mm-hmm. see the profits from the vaccine as rolling on over a number of years, and they're not going to give up um, the ability to make those profits.
0: And is that outlined in the contracts that they've already signed with the government? In other words, you've got ten years, or twelve years, or twenty years, or whatever, uh, where there won't be any generic uh, competition, or is it? Is, who makes that determination?
1: Well, the um, the patent rights are defined in the um, what's called the um, the TRIPS Agreement, trade related aspects of intellectual property rights, um, and that says you have a patent for twenty years from the date which you apply for the patent Um, or you have so if the patent was applied for in canada say in probably sometime in late 2020 then that patent is going to be um, viable until 2040 Um, and the drug companies may voluntarily license production to other places but they don't have to um, they and the price of, is only um, the price that we're paying for the vaccine is only s- set at that particular level for the duration of the contract. How long the contracts are going to last, um, I'm not sure, but I don't expect that they're going to be lasting for 20 years.
0: Yeah, we saw that I think it was uh, AstraZeneca. obviously some of that's being d- done in the UK, but uh, they I guess farm part of the production to a, a place in India uh... which it's, it's still astrazeneca but it's a kind of a variation on it but it's still you know, the mothership i guess uh, that's controlling this so the, 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 i guess the takeaway here is uh... the, the less expensive uh, cheaper uh, drugs are not going to be there for a while we, this this is what we're going to have to deal with and and governments i obviously are aware of that as well i would think doctor that you know that this the price of this is going to skyrocket and it's already v- uh, a variable price anyway as we found out uh, last week from a report from the uk uh... the different countries are getting charged different rates by these uh, major companies right now. And, and when I asked why can they do it, it says, well, because they can. That's why they're doing it, because uh, there's really nothing to stop them from charging more uh, in Argentina than the charging in the United States, for instance.
1: That's true. I mean, I mean, you know, that's, again, an aspect of vaccine nationalism. So if you want to be able to vaccinate your your the population um, as fast as possible, one way of securing um doses for for your country is to pay more for them and that's what's happened in some places they're they're willing to pay more for the vaccine therefore they're getting the vaccine quicker and with more guarantee of supply Um, but that just leaves the low and middle income countries out in the cold they can't afford to up the price that they're um, that they're going to pay they don't have the money for it Um, And, again, um, that means that the entire world just remains vulnerable.
0: Exactly. Those are consequences that need to be considered, I guess. Uh, Doctor, always a pleasure to get you on. Always a pleasure to get your perspective on this. Thank you so much for the time today.
1: Thanks, Bill, for your ongoing interest in this. Appreciate it. Take care. Very much so.
0: It's mutual. Dr. Joel Lechkin, of course, a professor emeritus at uh, York University, and a former uh, advisor, of course, with the World Health Organization. Uh, and that point's well taken. I mean, you know, take the politics out of this, if that's even possible. Uh, if we don't get this virus under control in every country in the world, the chances of it springing back and biting us again are significant and and that has to be part of the, uh, the the discussion that's going on The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML